Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Chatting with Country. Today on the line with me, I have a childhood friend, Jimmy. Hey, hey, what's going on? What's going on with you? I can hear you now. Good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so, like uh, difficulties. you know what? It's always something. It'll never be 100%. No technical doubt. difficulties is cool because then you learn a little bit more. It's all good. So um, I was just saying it's always good to, um, well, I always go back to where I came from. And so if I can highlight people who I feel like is making a difference, then like that's my duty, right? It may not come across everybody, but whoever the podcast come across, I'm hoping to deposit some seed of hope in them. You know what I'm saying? Your story might be something that touch a lot. Or if we get that one, that's all we're looking for. And so with that being said, I want to say thank you for coming on again because you could have been doing anything else, but you chose to do it with me. No doubt. I appreciate you <laughs> for even thinking about me in the, in the consideration. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You 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 got a whole movement that's about to take place. And so we're going to get on board that train. I'm trying to, trying to. It's coming. So tell us a little bit about you. All right. Um, the uh, I, I guess I give you a quick, a quick, quick story. Uh, born and raised native of Gary, Indiana. Uh, grew up in the Miller Projects. Um, for a, a good a portion of my life, that's why I got you know a lot of my start. A lot of my close friends came from out of there, and then um, you know from there. Uh, we got kicked out of the, that's a whole nother story, but we actually, we left the projects because we actually got kicked out of the projects. A lot of people don't know that. Really? Mama, Look, I'm like, what? My mama and them was so off the chain that, <laughs> uh, you probably know back in the day growing up, they were young then, they were so I'm off like, the chain. I'm like, I'm mama now. <laughs> and can we curse on this podcast? Yes, you can. <laughs> and they were so off the so off the chain and with the, with the bullshit. That they got actually got kicked out of we got kicked out of Miller Projects and banned from all Gary Housing Authority property. Oh so no! We were about I want to say I would think I was twelve years old when that happened, and so just like instantly overnight, we were homeless. A lot of people didn't know that, so we were bouncing. We were uh, over my grandma's house for the uh, most of the time, but just instantly we were homeless until we found a crib off uh, about a baseball field and mm -hmm. off Lake Street. And uh, we were there for about a, a year or two. And then finally around, I want to say uh, around 90, my mom was able to qualify for Section 8. And that's how we moved on Fifth Avenue. But a lot of people don't know. Mm -hmm. I would have still been in the project, but we got kicked out. And we couldn't go to no Gary Housing Authority property. So we couldn't go to no other projects and none of that. So we was out there real bad for a real point in time. But um, from there, after the project, we moved over on Fifth Avenue. So that was a whole different type of world because that's when we was, that's when mm -hmm. it was hardcore, stone cold, gangbanging mm -hmm. going Everybody on. Everybody was, was beefing, yeah. This is like 89, and we moved over there right off on Fifth and Buchanan. We came from Miller. So, you know, mm -hmm. we came from a hood that represented GDs, Gangster Disciples, and, you know, they were banging CVL. Fighting every weekend at the ring. So it was mm -hmm. all type of stuff that, you know, we got into because of that. And naturally, uh, you know, you form, uh, you kept in contact or form clicks with, 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 with people that was like-minded like you just to keep yourself from, you know, being taken advantage of or victimized. 
Yeah. And then, but luckily from that, you know, uh, went to Westside um, for high school. And from there, went to the Indiana Academy. I went to Westside for my first two years. And then I went to this school called the Indiana Academy. At that time, it was one of, uh, I think, one of eight uh, residential boarding schools that was paid for by the state government. And uh, I was selected to attend that. It was for the top, so at that time, they say they claimed top 150 juniors in the state of indiana and you got an opportunity to apply to this so-called elite academy where they didn't have grades and shit like that because everybody because every kid in there was either one or two in their class and so it was only for 150 kids and it was about i want to say about 10 15 kids from uh gary was there and uh only a handful of uh black males my my roommate Stephen Gray and I end up being the first black males to graduate from that school. Mm-hmm. That was in '93, and then from there I went on to Northwestern, um, where I got my um, bachelor's degree in uh, education and social policy, and then um, from there uh, went on to uh, grad school and um, got my uh, first master's in sociology. I initially went down there to be a sociology professor, but you know. Um, at that time, that's when this is in, uh, 96, 97. So mm-hmm. if you know anything about rap music and hip hop, um, it was taken off at that time. Mm-hmm. And then at that time I had a, a amazing opportunity with three other, uh, partners of mine where we, uh, formed a marketing and promotions company. And this is around 98, 99. So we were the guys that were on campus, um, throwing the parties. So we were the guys mm-hmm. throwing the parties. Um, we were doing the homecoming concerts. We happened to get blessed and got a, a sponsorship with Sprite at the time. And people remember Sprite was just coming out with the Irving campaign, uh, McDonald's, and then at that time, Rockefeller Records. And so we had got blessed to get those uh, sort of marketing deals. And that helped us, you know, to promote the parties and things like that. So I actually took off a year of grad school because we was getting a lot of money right um with the with the parties doing djing at that time my brother was active um with a group called low end records they were doing the rap thing so this was down in champagne at the time when i went for grad school and uh did that but i went back to grad school to get my second masters and started that program and that was in uh that would have been um august of 99 and then uh, jump to August of 2000, I got shot. And so I got, I get shot. Uh, my brother's murdered at the same time I get shot. And uh, this is in back in Gary. And um, after that situation, jump six months into advance, I finished and graduated with my second master's in human resource management. I didn't finish up the PhD program because I decided to take a different focus. I didn't want to be a um i didn't see myself being a college professor for life i didn't want to do that mm-hmm. and so uh i switched focus and got a business degree but in the process of getting that human resource management business degree that's when i got shot and so as you could imagine everything was placed on the halt mm-hmm. so school um the business the, it was called 662 entertainment was the name of our promotion and marketing company and uh, all that slowed down came to a screeching halt because um, I had to fight for my life. You know, I was in a hospital for about, say, almost three months after that. 
um, had horrific, sh you know, injuries, got shot with AK-47. So, um, you know, but that's that's in a nutshell. That's me in a nutshell. Um, but, you know, right now I have a um, been married for 18 plus years, two kids, 21, 18, um, doing great ones, a junior in uh, college. Layla's about to be a uh, senior. She's a senior and she's getting ready to start her freshman year in August. So uh, that's it. Been blessed to have come out of that situation. So, but that's where I'm at now. I'm back in Gary, um, trying to contribute um, and, and, and just and do what I need to do to set a legacy and, and create something for my uh, for, for my generation after me. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Yeah. So that's 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 the bio in the nutshell. Well, that was one hell of a bio in a nutshell because my face went up and down and up and down. You know, I was I could remember a lot, you know, of what you're saying, right? And so for you guys to disappear, you know, it was kind of like where y'all went, nobody really knew what happened, you know what I'm saying? So to say you all was homeless is like wow. I yeah, do remember y'all popping up yeah. at the um at the baseball field, and I do remember coming um on Buchanan you know a couple of times um but man oh my yeah my face my face I'm just like oh yeah a lot of people didn't know that yeah. yeah but um yeah that and you could imagine during that time when we were um homeless and when I say homeless I'm not talking about like we on the streets living up under a viaduct but if you don't have a fixed address that's right you're homeless yeah. And, you know, and we were in places that people really didn't want us to be. So, you know, uh, whether it be and being older males, you know, y'all yeah. was teenagers at that time. So we come know, in so. teenagers. So because of that, and then my mom, uh, as a result of that, she then went through other psychological struggles after that. And then you could imagine that's when we got in the streets right after that. Yeah. So, you know. 14, 15, me and my brother graduated to the streets, hardcore, selling dope down off on um, uh, Fifth and Jackson. Yeah. And so that's what we did. Uh, and then, But I knew for me that that shit was, you know, that wasn't a long way out for me. I just, it didn't, it didn't add up to me, the money. Niggas take, we working hours like that after school. I mean, it was crazy. The dope house bumped 24 hours a day, and they had us working in five-hour shifts after school from, like, Folded, folders 10, five of 10, some shit like that. And the money was cool, especially for a person who didn't have it, but I had right. other ways of getting hustling. So the shit didn't add up to me because of the risk he was taking. Yeah, he was getting his money, but it was a whole different type of risk. And for me, it didn't add up. Then plus, I, I consider myself a little bit more enlightened intellectually, and it was just hard for me to follow dumb niggas. So, um, that's one of the reasons why I didn't even get down. Cause I can't follow. Yeah, you got the spot, but you still a dumbass nigga. Mm -hmm. So, and it's just hard for me to follow dumb niggas. So, uh, that's the reason why that that just didn't add up for me. I mean, it I always looked at it as a temporary solution, not as a long term thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm using it to pay some bills, put a little paper in my pocket. But other than that, um, you know, um, it wasn't a long term. And then I'm seeing the destructive effects of it's having on your neighborhood. Right. You know, you got family members hooking hooked on that shit that's close to you. And that shit just overnight destroy entire families. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, and, and for me, I was like, when that academy came up, uh, I got an opportunity to do that. 
I was like, I got to lead a G. And this was a 91. I was like, I got to get the fuck up out of here. If not, I'm going to be dead on jail. Yeah, yeah. And I knew it. I mean, we was, we, we, like I was telling somebody earlier today, like, we the ones, we the niggas that made gang banging and dope dealing the art form. We perfected that shit. Our generation, and, you know, we was seeing the shit that's happening now with these shorties. Like, I always tell people, like, we partly to blame for a lot of this shit that's going on because we created these, these little niggas and normalized criminality and things like that. And so, um, that's where we at. But anyway, I you know, I just always wanted to not get caught up in that cycle. And so for me, school was my way out. I saw I, I saw that when when the when the white folks and I actually uh Principal Winfrey at Kennedy King Middle School mm-hmm. when he showed me that you know you can go to school and it's a whole different route. I had never really even knew about college or thought about that. I thought maybe I'd graduate from high school and get a job at the mill. But then if you know anything about the mid-80s and late 80s, that's when Reaganomics, deindustrialization came. And so the mill, the mills, it shut down drastically. It was already was hard for black people to get in there to begin yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. And then now they're not hiring at all. And so then there was no summer jobs. We had summer jobs one year, mm-hmm. then they cut them. Mm-hmm. So the same, then you know, same little dudes that had a little paper and a little distraction in the summer now, you ain't got that. So what? Shit, these niggas got this this G pack you can work off. Yeah. And there you go. There you go. So uh, but yeah, man, I I I just wanted to do something different. And that's why I went to that um to that academy just to get away from that shit. But you know, I still end up, you know, you jump to 2000, I still got stuck, suck, sucked in it because I got shot and my brother got murdered. Yeah. I look at um, growing up, I always saw you as that's like we take little AJ Rico little brother AJ always had that Bible out there with Mr. Washington it was like AJ gonna be a preacher, right? But Jimmy, when we looked at you as shorties, right, looking up to you because y'all was a little bit older than us when we looked at you, I used to always be like that's gonna be the next president Mm -hmm. you know, and so a lot of us felt like that. And I always, I still feel like when you running for mayor. You know, my boy, I used to always say that. I had thought, I had seriously, when I, when I used to be young, I told myself I was going to run for mayor when I was about 40, 45. I actually said, I moved back to Gary on the intentions of doing that. I mean, I was for real. And when mm-hmm. I really pulled back the layers of uh, the politics in here, it's, it's a cesspool. And I chose not to me, me knowing who I am, even though I came from the streets, grew up in a project, you know, I still have integrity um, mm-hmm. and I still have mm-hmm. character. And um, and I think that in order to get involved with those sort of you will have to that would take away from Sales who you are. Yeah. And, I, and I wouldn't want to get involved with that. Plus, knowing who my background them people be all on it to, you know, and, and, and for me, it, it, it caused people who didn't want to be exposed in the limelight to get exposure because of maybe past dealings with, you know, certain situations and things like that. So I'm like, you know, well, I, me, I, I've been able to work more so outside of those lines more so than within. And uh, I still have all those connections, you know, with, you know, mm-hmm. various politicians, whether it be federal, state, 
uh, or local politicians. I, I believe in maintaining those networks and connections. Um, but for me, it's been more beneficial. I've been able to be my my authentic self, which allows me to have more of a greater impact by, yeah. by being outside of it. Because I, me, if I was a politician, I, I couldn't be my authentic self. And uh, I will be a character or just a, a packaged uh, version of who I really am. And I just me, I couldn't live with myself doing that every day. But that don't mean I wouldn't work with the politicians and, and things like that. But I do, you know, I've, I've always had um, sort of a, uh, a issue with how it was worked. And then being in Northwest Indiana, I'm just going to call it's it's corrupt to the core. I mean, I mean, they're doing it. They look shit. The mayor, the former, the last administration is under federal investigation right now. Um, so there's no telling what's going to come of that. So, you know, it's just like, man, you know, you can't never get forward when you got a lot of that type of shit going on uh, with that. But for me, uh, but I do, like I said, I do respect it. But that, that I, 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 I come to realize that wasn't my call in my bag was the policy. But they, they keep trying to push me to do it, man. I, mm -hmm. I ain't going to lie. I, I feel to me that as soon as I do it, they're going to try to. I ain't doing shit illegal, but they're going to try to like. <laughs> They gonna try to just come at a nigga with some crazy shit, you know what I'm saying? An indictment I know, Jimmy, and, I mean, or, or the talking about the niggas that I used to be associated I think with. You can pull it off. Talking about, yeah, you, 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 you were known felons or you used to know no, you know. But I look mean, at all the people that's in there now. I mean, come on now. Karen is doing lying still. So it's like <laughs> you 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 ain't lying to because I know now for a fact okay. that. You ain't lying. I mean, so I now that was that was maybe five, ten years ago. I couldn't do it, but now that's perfectly normal. The last president has normalized gangsterism. Mm -hmm. So you just you hit it on the head. Yeah, you could like that's normal now. Actually, people probably yeah. would like that. It would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows what what would entail? But I do look at. It. I ain't gonna lie. I said if I was to run for first district right now. As the councilman, I would probably win. You would win. I would the I, the way I would do it is I was just talking about somebody. Would I would do it? I would campaign along with voter registration because yeah. I believe, and that's and it's nothing that I invented. This is Harold Washington. That's how he was able to get elected because he knew he couldn't beat that white political machine or the machine that had already been established yeah. without bringing in his own new voters. So as he's campaigning, he told them that they have to register at least a million people to vote. That's the only way he would do it. And see, for me, if I was to do it, I told him I would at least try to get five to 10,000 registered voters. And those voters mm -hmm. are going to be who? They're going to vote for Jimmy. Yeah. So you guaranteed to have a voting block. And now you only need to get 10 or 15% of these other people to vote for you as opposed to half of them. So and, and for me, that would be my strategy. Because well, people I'm gonna throw some more seeds out there at you, okay? Because huh? I'm gonna throw some more seeds out there at you so we can get them planted in that soil <laughs> so that you can come come on. Because my you know, the next question I was gonna say to you is like, how do you encourage others in your community, right? And so what you're saying now is just an intro to that because these kids ain't out here voting. And yeah. a lot of them growing up in school and they don't even know, you know, me and my brothers, we just had um, a conversation just talking about how do we engage with the youth? You know, we need to, and, and you do a lot of programs and we can get into that too. But 
the youth need us. You know, yes, I'm in Washington, but I do a lot of stuff up here. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Mm -hmm. But at home, like they don't have nowhere to go, nothing to do. So that same cycle that you were talking about, we all sold dope and was in the street. Mm -hmm. You know, and all of our clique from Miller Projects, it's interesting that we all can still pick up the phone and it's like we never left each other. Other hoods, a lot of other hoods can't do that. Yeah, my wife be talking about that. She say, I, that's just amazing. She say, y'all make the motherfucking project seem like a mythical place. Man. She, she say, I be amazed on y'all niggas go across the country. It'll be a nigga in Seattle, nigga in Connecticut, Florida. Y'all still connect. Like we never left. And y'all, we talking about niggas y'all been knowing since y'all was eight. Yeah. Most people yeah. don't even can't keep a relationship with a person for the past two years. Let alone thirty something plus years. We was one of a kind, and you say, know we, we had the common struggle. We all came through the same did. shit. It but was nothing but love. Yeah, it. it was nothing but love, though. You know, and can't nobody tell me nothing different. You know, people look at me and a lot of stuff. I could say some stuff, and they just be like, "You did what? You know, you was like what? I would never place you there, but you know, I, I tell people my hood is what made me who I am today." If I wouldn't, if I would have grew up anywhere else, I wouldn't be me. And so mm -hmm. I'm forever grateful for everybody who played a part in my life. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh yeah, Miller made me. That's what I say. Miller made me. That's how I got yeah. a tattoo on my chest. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. But how do you engage these kids? I think part of it is you got to model the behavior that you want them to do. So you can't, you can't tell a kid to get out the streets and you halfway still in the streets. You can't tell a kid to get a job when you got a shaky work history. You can't tell a kid to do right by a woman when you don't even do right by their mama. So we have to learn. We have to model the behavior that we want these kids to follow. And then the other thing is just be your authentic self. The kids appreciate that. They don't want a package nigga that's all perfect. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They want, they want the grit. They want all that. They want to see the scars. Cause that makes you that makes you normal, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's always been my approach um, to dealing with it and meeting people where they at. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you got to meet people where they at. Um, Cause your situation ain't the same as their situation, even if even on the surface it may seem like it. Like we all grew up in them bricks in the projects, but that don't mean we all had the same situation. That's right. Cause you had yeah. some people. Who had they pops in the house, but then they pops was a drunky alcoholic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We may have had our moms and no man in the house. And we, you know, we went through that whole situation. Or had a mom that was in the house, but they was on drugs. So yeah. we all lived out there, but all of them situations is different. So I learned that, you know, ain't no cookie cutter approach. And you just meet people where they at and you just lead by example. You always I always tell the people if you want a, a leader models the behavior they want people to follow so yeah. you know you don't do all that preaching and shit just do what, like you can't talk about you can't talk that shit and not be about it and that's the reason why you see certain niggas they're like man how's that nigga the leader of a gang or the leader of a set because that nigga models the behavior he wants other people to follow he about that shit yeah. and so that's how he gets other people to follow him or her you know a lot of people don't get that um that's like like my my, my nigga little rico you know, a lot of little people don't get fam, but the shortest nigga in, in the hood yeah. running the whole hood. <laughs> I'm saying, fam wasn't yeah. even five feet tall. Yeah. And he ran the hood, G. 
And that, yeah. he's still my nigga to this day. I just uh, tried to hit that nigga up the other day, but you know what I'm saying? It, that 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 is that coming out them projects was a beautiful thing. I mean, it was yeah. a gift and a curse, but it gave me my game. It made me who I am. Yeah. So I, never, yeah. I never run from it. All right. If you could get one gift, what would it be? One gift? Mm-hmm. What would it be? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I could give one gift, what would it be? I would uh, I would try to bring my brother back if I have the gift of <laughs> a resurrection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that of my grandmama. I mean, but uh, but uh, a, a realistic gift. Uh, if I if I could give, I just always like to just try to give people knowledge. Just just drop game on them, and that's because game is free. That shit don't cost nothing. All right. What makes you smile even if you had your worst day ever? What can make you smile? A fat ass blunt. <laughs> no matter what. No matter what. No matter what happened. Uh fat ass blunt, you know what I'm saying? It, you know, hey, I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> Listen, it was so smoked out at that damn party I threw. <laughs> Oh yeah, that shit was epic. You know what I'm saying? We came through and blew that joke out. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, so much fun! But Lord have mercy, I said, Lord, it just the smoke just would not stop. Yeah, I don't mind. They went back, man. Them niggas set out all that weed for OG. It just they didn't make no sense. They just we like, gonna oh. say, man, Talisha, you gotta come back and do this every year. Hey, that was that was beautiful. Yeah, it was, was beautiful. Nice. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. I hadn't seen people in years. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that don't know them. They be around, but they don't come out. They stay low. You know, it was just real good to see them, man. It was real good. And it was good for my wife to see that, too, because she didn't know. Like I told her, I said, you see how we get down? Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. a really, this just really a handful of these. That was just a handful. Yeah, with so many people mad at me, like, oh, my God, you could have called and you could have. And I was just like, you know. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, I was trying. When we try to do something like that again, let me know. Yeah, because be I was just trying. I was just trying. I'm all the way here hey, trying to put some stuff about. together there. But the turnout was just love. It still yeah, was love. Yeah, so. it was. It was yeah, still love. So what's something that everybody gets wrong about you? Um, that I sell dope or like something like that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, somebody was just talking about that because I guess it's just because of you know I I still associate with a lot of the homies from back in the day, uh, but a lot of them are not even in the streets. But you know that. But uh, but a misconception is that uh that I'm in in, in actively involved in the streets, which I'm not. Um, but I don't think people think that. But um. Uh, I think another thing, uh, uh, a misconception would be that um, people think that um, I graduated from work. Everybody think I graduated from Everybody work. Everybody think I graduated from work. I graduated from West Side, too. Yeah, I graduated from West Side. Yeah, we went to West Side. So, But I still go to the work stuff. That'd be, it'd be so funny. But I still <laughs> go to that stuff. Yeah. What's your favorite book? Uh, easy. That's easy. The autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, I love that book. I, I read that. I've read that book probably five, six times. 
Um, every time I read it, I get something different out of it. Um, I had actually like damn near like transcribed, like broke down study notes from each chapter. I did this shit on my own when I was in high school. And um, it just transformed my 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 whole thinking and mindset. That book, and then I um I used it maybe I think it was four or five four years ago. I used it uh, with my mentoring group that I had, and we did it as a form of bibliotherapy. I had learned how to do that when I went to a conference. I met these black girls from the University of Alabama, and uh, they were psychologists, psychiatrists, and they they used books as a form of therapy. And at that time, they were working with black girls and they was using Michelle Obama's uh, book. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take it, use it with black men. I'm going to do the autobiography of Malcolm X. So they were they were gracious enough to show me you know, notes and you know how to uh, put together the curriculum and everything. And uh, yeah, we did it as a form of bibliotherapy. And so as we're reading the book, um, you know, it's 19 chapters in the book. And um, if you know anything about this story of Malcolm X, I mean, he goes through everything. He goes, you know, from a street guy all the way to becoming, you know, the head of the nation of Islam. And in his journey, there's a lot of different things that go on. So, you know, we're talking with black men. We talk about the street life, interracial dating, the importance of religion, um, just all of those different things. It's so much going on, you know, just this whole notion of self-transformation. And that's what I like about the book. So that's my favorite book, easy. All right. What's one of your weirdest habits? Uh, weird, a weird habit? I'm old now. I don't got too many habits. No. <laughs> um, a weird habit. I say weird. Let me think of talking about weird. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Are you digging your nose and rub your eyes? Oh, you talking about shit like that? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Probably burp a lot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Weird habits. I ain't even never thought about that. Yeah, I ain't know. I guess, yeah. Shit, I don't know. All right. What's something you would never spend money on? Uh, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy. Uh, cocaine. Crack, uh, heroin, uh, <laughs> never under no circumstances. I mean, I don't give a fuck what you say or do, because I know pussy is free, and I don't even fuck with that other shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's easy. Uh, what is your definition of a healthy relationship? Oh man. Um, if you had to educate young men and women yeah. on how to keep a relationship healthy, because I feel like you and your wife, you know, I know that relationships have its ups and downs, right? But mm -hmm. you all are two powerful Black people, right, that was mm -hmm. able to raise two powerful uh, a, a son and a daughter right and still mm -hmm. stay together for 18 years you know mm -hmm. I thought the sexiest thing was for y'all to have a party and had a strippers there and she was fine is, is it her name is Chica what's her Chica. name Chica. Chica. Yeah. okay I thought that was real sexy right <laughs> because I know it takes time to build you know eternity 
And yeah. so people always talk about, well, we not compatible. We not this, we not that. You damn sure need to find someone that's going to be solid and ride with you no, in order to make it. You know what I'm saying? So if uh -huh. you had to, to educate the youngsters about healthy relationships, what would you say? Uh, I think part of it is um, it starts off from the beginning. One thing I will say, man, I've always was honest and straight up with women that I dated. And so uh, in the past, I remember when I first met my wife, I was just honest about who I was, what I was about. Uh, so, you know, of course she learns more as you go along, but when you initially meet a person, you know, uh, it was, cause I was in grad school when I met her. So there's some people, they weren't down with the weed smoke. I know a girl who was real cool. We connect, but she really wasn't down with weed smoking. I, I you know, that's what I do. I, you know, um, and my girl didn't have an issue with it. You know, certain things um, when you discuss sexually, uh, financially, uh, professionally, what you want to do. And, you know, you be straight up with people at the beginning. So people know exactly if they want to continue on with this. And so mm -hmm. for me, for us, I think that was part of it. The other thing, too, I think that, that makes our relationship a little bit different than some people uh, was that we dated and went out for almost six years before kids even came in the mix. So yeah, it wasn't a situation. So it wasn't a situation where I've seen some relationships where it's almost like a forced relationship because this kid is now in play. And because the kid is in play, now these two parties feel that they have to try to make it work out when they still was trying to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Now they're forced. Whereas in that situation, we went through the whole friendship thing and then the other thing, um, I was shot before we got married. So we went through that whole thing. So me getting mm -hmm. shot, she went, we went through that uh, in the middle of our relationship and really tested it. And most young girls would have ran. My, my wife is not from that life. I mean, my mm -hmm. wife comes from a police family. Um, and so she's not about that life whatsoever. Two-parent household, married. So, uh, uh, you know, middle class always worked. Uh, so she she didn't come from that life, even though she's from the south side of Chicago, but she didn't come from that. So I think part of it was being honest and open up front. Uh, the other thing was um, uh, 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 being friends for that period of time and then having some of the same goals uh, in life, you know, professionally. Like, you know, she wasn't trying to get pregnant. She was coming down there to get a degree. You know what I'm saying? So she was yeah. just as focused uh, as I was. And so I think that really uh, helped out. And then, you know, then, then subsequently, uh, you know, we got married and then kids came in the mix, but I think uh, initially we were, we were friends, man. And so we had a real opportunity to really develop that friendship over the course of time. And you, you get to see a lot of different things. And then over the course of 18 years, you know, I, I've learned that uh, especially as a male, um, you got to be willing, you got to communicate. And I came from a situation in family where people didn't really do that. Mm. They yell, they fight, they holler. And so she really taught me how to communicate. My, my wife, really, I tell her this all the time. I've told, she taught me how to love and be openly and expressive about that. Cause that's, they, you know, they come from a lovey dovey kissing family, you know? Uh, and that was really weird for me to see people expressing themselves, especially men in her family. So and it, like, it's weird, like even right now to this day, every day her uncle texts her. Mm -hmm. Every mm -hmm. day he's in Mississippi. 
And so every day he texts her. Every day he texts her. And so it's just so they come from a family, you know, the uh the 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 close knit and extended is all you know they with that. So for us, that's what I would say, man. And then you know you got to communicate. Uh, and then the other thing, nobody want to talk about this, but uh, I actually looked up the reasons why relationships fail. And the main reason, number one, was finances. And so um, for, for me, I think it's very important that uh, people discuss that, all that shit out on the table. Wife like, knows everything, like uh, with the finances. She knew, you know, all along, you know, everything. She knows everything, just like I know everything about her. But at the same time, she has her own separate thing. Um, I got my own separate thing, but we have a joint thing and we have different goals and we've been able to sit and we've been able to, we put that plan in place. We've been, we've been doing great. We've been doing fucking well. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that's part of it too, man. And then you got to constant communicate, you know, but like you said, all relationships, I'm not going to even act like we, uh, perfect, but you know, and the, the funny thing with the stripper thing, that was her thing. She initiated that. I didn't even ask that for that. That was her. That's the funny thing about it. People always think it's the guy that's initiating that. It was she. She uh, wanted that. So that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. She wants to do a podcast as well. All right. She can She can always get on. Look, whenever she ready. Um. Oh, she would. She would oh, love she, to do this. Oh my god. Yeah. Whenever, tell her she is. I am down. Yeah. Yes, so. I am. Um. Back to the relationship part of it. I always tell people, you know, relationships are forever evolving. You know, you're not the same person in your twenties that you are in your thirties that you are in your forties. And if you're not communicating, then I don't know. Right. No, so no. you're keeping that thoughts up in your head. You're assuming that I know because I've been with you for 30 years. Well, I, I fucking don't know. You know, I need you to tell me or it just, you know, yeah, I walked past the trash. I didn't take it out. Just tell me, you know, leave me a post-it note. But we need to be steady communicating so that we not, you know, a statistic. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. Are, you hit it on the head, especially about because the little petty stuff can add up. And then you blow up and they're like, man, why are they tripping yeah. on that? When they find out it's like a continuation of stuff that they've allowed to accumulate. accumulate. Yeah, so I'm yeah. with you on that. All righty. What is, what was the most historic thing you witnessed in person or took part of? Oh, that's easy. Um, the Million Man March. I knew you was going to say it. <laughs> yeah, I changed my life. Yeah, that was just really um, was that that was be that was right before I got shot. So uh, that changed my life. I went with my uncle Bob, who who, who passed away uh, about a couple years ago, and with my cousin Donnie, and then Mister Welch and his son, and we uh, we flew out there on Southwest. I always remember that, and uh, it was an amazing experience. And just like we was out there, all them people, million people, million men. We ran into some niggas from, from Miller Projects. <laughs> Out of all the people, it was hilarious. Out of all them people, we ran into a whole bunch of people from the projects. It was the funniest thing, man. We kicked it. You know, we even got signs because we had a they had a Gary Indiana sign. That's how we saw. Mm -hmm. We said they go somebody from the G. 
and uh because they had a sign up and uh, it was a bus of people that went down there yeah yeah man it was mm -hmm. it was an absolutely amazing experience yeah it was an amazing experience and i've never done nothing like that again you know um and and that experience was so 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 mesmerizing i actually wrote my master's thesis on it mm. so that's how that's how important it was in my life i actually got a master's off of that uh off of that activity or whatever i turned it into a research project mm. amen what's something you think everybody should experience at least one time in their life um I say one thing they should experience uh, at least one time in their life um, is a sunset and a sunrise. It's 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 simple, it's cheap, and it's free. It's it's amazing to get up there and be out there and and and, and do that if you can, especially if you see people don't understand how blessed we are to be right here by this beach. That's right. Yeah. You know, and so it's you we we could we do I see I not don't do the sun the sunrise too much because I ain't up there early, but. I, I do the sun. The sunset is absolutely amazing, and so to be the and we we've been blessed to have a house, uh, you know, less than four blocks from the beach, and so we can walk up there in less than five minutes, and so we try to take advantage of it as much as we can. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Last question, and then I want to talk about cigar junkies. Mm -hmm. So what is one thing you would tell your younger self? Um, one thing I would um, tell my younger self is don't be all angry all the time. Um, I used to get that people used to tell me that a lot when I was coming up. Like, you always look so serious. You like, you upset. And I think when I look back on it, it was just a lot of niggas didn't, a lot of people just didn't. I thought understand. you was always thinking and processing. People like didn't understand was where I was coming from because I had so much shit going on. Like I said, mm -hmm. at 14, my mom lost custody of us, of me. And so I've been on my own since I was 14. And so for me, you know, the way I always looked at decision making, like, you know, that one decision can change the course of your whole life. So mm -hmm. that's why I always look. But and so sometimes it wouldn't look like I was having fun, but I really was. So I would just tell myself mm -hmm. to have more fun with the situations and enjoy it. Like okay. I didn't go to spring break in college because I was like, I needed that money to hustle and do other things with. I ain't have money to go jack off, you know, with this and with that. But when you look back on it, you're like, man, you should have went and enjoyed Like my son. He, he he enjoyed spring break. He, he had the full college experience. I'm like, man, I wish I had to did that. What advice would you give males? I mean, women, women more so, you know, feel their emotions. But what advice would you give men? males that have a hard time at communicating and expressing themselves um because that is a problem um i would say is uh people i think sometimes do it works for dudes to talk to somebody who don't know them so to um 
you know, to, if, if they have access to like a preacher, somebody like that, uh, somebody in the community that really don't know them. So that way um, they feel like they're not being judged. I mm-hmm. think they'll, they'll be able to come out a little bit more with things. Because I think, I think guys be thinking that uh, people be judging them. Because that's, that's part of the problem with the men that I work with. Because I work mm-hmm. with a, a lot of guys that have been locked up and incarcerated. And so for them, I'm able to connect with them because they don't uh, really know me. And I don't know them. And so it's like we start with a clean slate, so to speak. So they they allow themselves, they can be vulnerable in front of me without me judging them. And so um, I think that's part of it. But, yeah, the guys, man, you know, we, we keep a lot of shit bottled up. And then I'm, I'm noticing there's a lot of dudes out here um, that's suicidal. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say suicidal, I'm not talking about suicidal in the sense where they about to go off themselves, you know, blow their brains out. What I mean is that they participate in extremely risky behaviors that put them in harm's way. Whether it be doing stuff to get the police to kill them or doing stuff in the streets to get other guys to kill them. And so they live in very uh, suicidal uh, lifestyles. And so you you see a lot of that. And, uh, you know, and that's it's hard, man. I ain't going to even lie. I don't have a cure. How do you, you know, approach a guy from a morality standpoint when they ain't never been to church, when they don't even understand that? So you can't come with that God and that church shit because that they don't even understand that. They don't that don't even make sense to them. So how do you approach people that don't that, that don't have an absence of that? So it's it's real. It's real because we, we grew up different. You know, Miller First yeah. Baptist is right across the street from the project. Yeah. And we, were so, and we was there. So, you yeah. know, even though we was one foot in the street, you still had Reverend Burnside to bless over you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, but th- this is completely different. Our whole generation, you know, yeah. my kids don't go to church. I'm just keeping it real. And it yeah. goes back to what I was saying earlier, that we're partly the brain for a lot of the, 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 the fractures mm-hmm. in the communities and things like that. We didn't keep a lot of the things going on for my other parents' generation and stuff. And it's and then there's a reason for that too. It's a reason why yeah. we don't mess with the church too. I mean that's not yeah. the church got its issues too as well. So but I think guys they just need to find um, another male uh that's objective that they can talk to. It could be a neighbor, it could be a, ch- a church person, but they need to have somebody like that. When we um, talk on the other podcast, you know, my brothers always say um, guys really don't talk to their partners because women tend to throw it back, you know. So then it's like, well, I'm just going to walk around and hold this in because then she'll bring it up, you know, and throw it at me. So we've been trying to figure out, me and a couple of girls been trying to just sit around and figure out. Like, what would we talk about to try to educate young women? Because this shit got out of hand, you know, to be honest. When you look out here, just be like, wow, my face hit the floor a lot. So, yeah, you know, I think part of it is, is that um, the, what what people's definition of what they want in a man, especially from these young girls, is gotten kind of warped. And so yeah. they say they want this type of thing. But then if a guy is expressive and communicative with his feelings, First thing they'd be like, oh, this soft ass bitch ass nigga. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it, it's that sort of deal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's helps me out was that uh, my girl, my wife, 
she's able i can tell her stuff that's what i'm like i said we we communicate pretty well um with a lot of different things but like i said that's that comes over time so but i think uh definitely uh that's definitely something that needs to be looked at a little bit deeper yeah so tell me where did cigar junkies stem from yeah so cigar junkies you know there's another guy involved with him i, I got another partner and um uh, I had introduced him to the lifestyle uh, maybe about, uh, let's see, what is it, 2023, maybe about five, six years ago. And so uh, he really got into it. Um, and then, you know, this was a smoking buddy because it, it wasn't a lot of young black guys smoking cigars and then doing it serious. Mm-hmm. So me and him got into it. And, you know, my thing is, I've always, my thing about hustling, uh, one of my mentors told me is uh, one way to, you know, get rich is find something that you're good at or that you enjoy and you can get people to pay you for it. So if you play the piano, if you can get people to pay you to uh, make music, that, that sort of thing. Like I have good writing skills, so people pay me to write grants. So... It was the same thing with cigar junkies. I really enjoyed the cigar lifestyle. And it's not just smoking cigars. It's what, what the lifestyle entails, how you carry yourself, how you, the type of woman you have, or what you drink, how you travel, how you present. I mean, everything encompasses that. So we was like, hey, man, we need to find a way to commodify this and introduce people to it. And so that's what we came up with, cigar junkies. Um, and we this was before the pandemic. And so the pandemic came and of course it slowed everything down. But um, you know, we saw you what the movement was, and especially the way the cigar lifestyle has just just blown up over the past 10 years. You know, we felt that this was a ripe opportunity for us to get in here and use us as a way to create a community. Cause a lot of people thinking, oh, we just in and trying to sell some hoodies. No, no, no. If you think that you're really missing out on what the I mean, the whole point is, is to create community behind the cigar lifestyle, and mm-hmm. so that's what we're trying to do um, uh, through what we through our movement with the cigar junkies is trying to create community through the you know those people love the stick, and if they don't not even into cigars, it's just what the lifestyle encompasses, carrying yourself uh, like a lady, like a gentleman at all times. You know what I'm saying? Uh, being distinguished and things like that. So that's what that's about. And that's what we came. So we got a a, a line of apparel uh, that we started off with, with hoodies and t-shirts. And now we're going to be moving into other items, uh, backpacks, socks, you know, other different clothing. Yeah, I need leggings. To cigars, leggings. Are we working on those are difficult to design? Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> so we, But they coming out. We have a whole line. Everything is going to drop by the end of uh, April. And so we did a sneak peek uh, earlier um, of some of the stuff. But that's what it is. We're just trying to use that to introduce people uh, just to the uh, cigar lifestyle, specifically black folks, uh, young black folks, um, because mm-hmm. we want to remove the allure. People think this is something for, for old dudes when in actuality, you know, this is a lifestyle uh, for everybody, you know, whether you're young or old. And so that's what we're trying to do. Well, and it's a positive lifestyle, and hopefully, you know, that goes back to meeting people where they are. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe y'all, you know, you'll end up meeting somebody that you can talk to and, you know, educate. Like, hey, let's, you know, cut back here and let's try to make money in this area. Let's, you know what I'm saying? Let's let some of these uh, suicidal movements go exactly. and, and try to, to build onto who you are so you can leave a legacy behind and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where can we find Cigar Junkies products? Yeah, uh, at our website, uh, cigarjunkies.com, uh, C-I-G-A-R-J-U-N-K-E-E-S uh, dot com. So cigarjunkies.com. Um, you know, we got everything that you need up there. So uh, hopefully folks show us some love. And, uh, you know, you've shown us some love. And we truly appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, we're trying to uh, make this a, a, a national movement. And, We've been blessed um, that we actually are, are working with um, a, um, a black-owned cigar uh, company. They got their own stick out. And so we're in the process of hopefully a year from now um, to have our own stick to go along with the line of uh, apparel and accessories that we got. And so that's what, we, that's what we're trying to do, uh, create this lane and space to introduce people to this lifestyle. Because like I always tell people, when was the last time you, you heard of, of a shootout at a cigar lounge? Right. When was the last time you heard of a fight at a cigar lounge? Mm-hmm. When was the last time you heard of any type of bullshit at the cigar? People don't go to the cigar lounge for that. They go to the cigar lounge to enjoy life, make deals, and move on and go to the next thing. And so that's what we're mm-hmm. trying to do. And it's and then creates a sense of community, a space for people. It's like it's just it's it's, it's no different than going to church. And you have people from all different type of walks of life, even though they may physically look the same, but they're all coming from different lived experiences. And then you're creating this platform to create this sense of community. And that's what we're trying to do with Cigar Junkies. So it's not just going to be apparel, accessory. Going, we have, the, like I said, we're going to hopefully have a stick coming out. And then we got, we, we're planning a major event uh, this summer. Um, and so stay tuned for that as well. You think they ever make weed legal in Indiana? I mean, yeah. it's legal here. Yeah, they will. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, that's another thing I do. That's, that's my other job is, you know, I work with folks in cannabis education. So uh, I believe that we're probably about two to three presidents away from it being federalized. Um, I think the issue is that um, it's not with whether they think weed is good or bad. It's really about the money Making and the money. banking and the mm-hmm. banking. So because the way the U.S. banking system is um, in regards to certain substances, they have to get that all right. And so for one, they have to remove it. It's not just about making it legal. They have to actually remove it from being a scheduled one drug. So once they do that, then it's not subject to being uh, part of racketeering because right now you can't deal with banks because if you do so, uh, be considered racketeering in the bank. Chase is not going to do business with you if you if you have a legal cannabis, even if it's legal in your state because of the banking and federal banking laws, you can't do business. And that's why it's such a cash heavy business. So once they get that situated, because the white folks got to make sure they're going to get paid. Right. Because mm-hmm. this is an industry that black and brown folks have controlled. And so now they got to make sure uh, that they get they get, get their money in it because it's a lot of money at stake. And so that's what it's about. So it will be legalized. And once it is, Indiana do it. But Indiana's right. already said it, that they're not going to move on it until uh, as long as it's illegal at the federal level, 
is going to remain illegal in Indiana. He, despite all of the money that they can make, it's just, I'm amazed that, you know, they're literally getting suffocated by Illinois, Michigan, and Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're all legal there. And uh, it's just amazing at the amount of money and revenue um, that they're missing out on um, just because of some politics. It's crazy. They just passed the law up here now where you can cross um, state line. So oh, for yeah, where you can go from, not state line, but where you can go, well, I guess it is state line, from Washington to Oregon to California. You know, you can start. Oh, so it's like, that, like, a, like a regional type, sort of type of deal. Uh-huh, so at first you couldn't, but now you can. Hey, it's and weird how it's, it's like, it's it's uh, how it's working itself out. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. 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 All right, well, I want to thank you for coming on with me and spending a lot of your time. It was greatly appreciated. We get to chop it up and I learn some new stuff about you oh yeah oh yeah i appreciate the opportunity i I appreciate the consideration and anytime you want to have me back i'd be more than happy to come back just to talk cigar junkies with my man uh with my partner larry or to talk relationships with my my partner my life partner chicha so uh let me know and I'd be more than happy to come back or just talk shit with you. So either well, whenever way. Whenever y'all ready, mm-hmm. just tell them to set it up. And I'm always available. I'll be glad to just hop on with y'all anytime. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate you. All right. And on that note, if you're hanging out with me, I'll hang out with you. Peace. Peace. <laughs>